Do I need a life coach? You're listening to episode 86 with Rhiannon Bush. Welcome to the Do I Need a Life Coach podcast. We're here to discuss the ins and outs of the life coaching industry and give you tools to use to see for yourself. I'm your host, Rhiannon Bush, mother, management consultant, and a passionate, certified life coach. Well, hello, my friends. How are we? Oh, it's a really, really hot one here in Tassie today. It's like 31, which for Tassie standards, that's hot. Uh, It's cooling off of the evenings and the mornings, but it's lovely. Um, And yeah, Taylor Swift is in the country, as was Pink very recently. How cool is that? Um, I didn't get to her concert this year, but I had a lot of friends that went and oh, the photos look amazing. It just looks like an awesome time. So, so cool. Uh, And so, yeah, it just, it's lovely to have somebody that is so influential and all over social media and she's all anyone seems to be talking about um, in the country. I've got her documentary on my list of things to watch. Um, I think Miss Americana is the name of the documentary. Don't hate me if I got that wrong, but um, that's definitely, yeah, something that looks amazing and kind of ties into what I want to talk about today. And that's assertiveness as a woman. So whether you're a male listening to this or you're a female, like it doesn't really matter, you'll get something from it. But it's about stepping into your power and your assertiveness because I think uh, a lot of my experience has been not doing that. So I've had a lot of trials and tribulations that have um, called on me to step into my more assertive side and it's something that I have done a lot of over the past 10 years. I've really worked on it and so you know, I've got a client that's working through this at the moment um, in her leadership role. And so I thought a lot of you listening to the podcast would benefit from this same stuff that I'm taking her through at the moment. So yeah, cool topic, one that I absolutely love. Um, as a person, I am quite assertive and direct, and especially as a woman. And I hate saying that, but it is, it is true. And on a DISC profile, uh, a tool that I love to use with my clients and one that's changed my life, I am a DI which means that I'm very task focused. I'm very big picture, as in I want to know the big picture and I don't want or care for the details. (laughs) I don't read the details. Uh, And I'm also very action and solution oriented. So if you come to me and you start yabbering on with a problem, I'm going to tune out pretty quickly and I'm probably going to ask you to get to, hey, what's the solution? What can we do about it? What do we need to make come true for that to not be a problem anymore? So that's very much how I am. And that's the deep part of my personality. The I part of my personality means I'm also a social butterfly. I'm very open. I'm very spontaneous. And I really deeply care about people. And I want people to like me, which in the past has come out as people pleasing. And it took me a long, long time to stop doing that. (laughs) And I still do sometimes, but I really, really, really have worked hard on not doing that because my opinion is the most important when it comes to who I am. And that should be the same for everyone, I believe. And that's one of the reasons that clients come and see me because I help them with that. In my younger years, and particularly in high school, I was surrounded by some very, very strong women. And I still know them today 
Um, and a lot of them are even more direct than I am. And through high school, when we were in that environment, which was so close knit and hormones flying everywhere, we were trying to navigate our place in the world and the clicks of a friendship group and the social standings and the hierarchy and all of the things that you navigate in high school. And we all seem to have a level of PTSD from. I think part of my conditioning from that time is that I became more subdued than I am naturally because I was surrounded by people more dominant than me. And in the last episode, I spoke about a book I've been reading called The Courage to Be Disliked, and it's based on Adlerian psychology. And it was a great read. Uh, The author talks about the representation of community beginning with you and I, me, you, us. And I'm not 100% sure if this is what he meant, but from the experiences I've had training groups of people in corporate environments, high-performance teams, coach training, life coaching groups, extended disc behavioral profiling in corporate teams. You know, there is a social hierarchy and a status that happens in every one of those groups where the dynamics of that group or within that group will always be the same, but the people in it change based on others in the group. So if you put just a hypothetical group together, it's going to have a hierarchy. It's going to have some social standing. But if you change out those people, the people will fill the roles differently. So if you've got someone who is, say, the most dominant in their friendship group, if they slip into a classroom environment where somebody is more dominant than them, they may become less dominant. Just like someone might be really quiet in a social setting, but they may become a bit louder in a training room because there are people more quieter than them that become even quieter when in that environment. So we adapt to our environments. There are roles people play when in a group and where there are more people in that group in a certain role, it can heighten or subdue somebody else's role or your role. So depending on the intensity or the spectrum of which you naturally embody certain behaviours when contrasted with other people in that same space at that same time, that will determine whether your behaviour will be subdued or heightened. One of the challenges or areas of growth, depending on how you see it, can be if you're looking to be more of something, as in you want to enhance a part of your personality that you already have within you, And then you choose to step into that even more, like say, I wanted to become even more dominant when I'm around people who I feel are more dominant than me or I'm intimidated by. And that can be in the way of their behavior or their job title, or they have more power, influence, authority, status, you know, then the area of growth can be for me to speak up and speak out more often. Or if I'm feeling subdued to step into that dominant part of me. That is, if I want to be more dominant when I'm around those people. So this is expansion of comfort zone, right? Because there's often a reason and a safety in us conforming and subduing that part of our personality. We do it for a reason or we've been conditioned to. Usually it's because we want to stay safe. We want to stay comfortable. But sometimes stepping into your power and becoming who you want to be requires you to enhance parts of yourself that you may be scared of or you may not know that you need to be more of or you may not want to be more of. I remember knowing and learning extended disc and becoming really aware of my dominant side and just how much of a D I am. And I was like, oh, I don't like her though. I don't want to know her. I don't want to let her out of the cage. But it was a really, really great lesson for me in how to do that. So I have very strong values and I've done a lot of work on finding out who I am 
and who I want to be, what I stand for, what I don't. And in a situation when I was working on stepping more into my dominant side, I was given an opportunity to test it. I was having a performance review and I was given contradictory information about the way I should have acted. I'd received some feedback that had said I shouldn't shoot from the hip and was given the feedback about the fact that I should have spoken up. So when I received this contradictory information, instead of just remaining quiet, I called it out very calmly, very strategically. And I remember being very proud of doing that because before that time, I would have said nothing and I would have shut down or I would have spoken out in anger, which wouldn't have been delivered in a way that was effective. Also, I remember firing back at somebody, not aggressively, but very strongly to highlight that I hadn't been given good information and that the flow on effect from that miscommunication was really negative. I remember when I pushed back on this specific thing, feeling very angry and frustrated. I just wanted to feel heard because the way that we were communicating was just not positive or encouraging or even accurate. And it took me a long time and a lot to speak up at that point in time in my life to my superior and call it out as unacceptable. As you might be picking up, communication is really important to me. I think the way that we communicate verbally through emails, on paper, it just, it requires thought if you're not good at it. And especially in leadership positions and in hierarchical positions where you're managing a team or you're trying to get things done and you hold a higher level position in a company or an organization, I think, you know, communication is something that you absolutely have to get right. And I don't always think that's easy. And I don't always think it comes naturally. I think sometimes you really have to be conscious and strategic about the way you communicate. And we think and assume that everyone knows how to do that, but the truth is they don't. And as you ascend through the ranks in a corporation, it's even more important that that is a piece that is considered and strategic and that you get right, because it's not only you that it reflects badly on, but it also affects a whole team, sometimes a whole organization. So, The problem for me as I was stepping into my more dominant side was that when I pushed back on things I hadn't bothered with in the past, as in I began to say no and set boundaries and I started questioning things out loud that I didn't understand or didn't agree with, I'd spend the next few hours worrying about what I'd said because I was unclear on what, if anything, the repercussions would be. And this is where my focus comes in. And this is the biggest game changer of all. We've spoken in the podcast a lot about focus and it plays a key role when you are stepping outside of your comfort zone or you're expanding your comfort zone and you are trying to step into parts of yourself that you want to be more of. And I have a fairly stringent process now for speaking up and saying my piece. As I wanted to become stronger in my authority and utilize my more dominant side, I developed a process to follow to enable me to feel more comfortable when I was, you know, in a place where I could speak up instead of doing what I did when I was younger, where I would just say something, it would fly out of my mouth before I'd really had an opportunity to think it through or understand that I didn't have all the information and would say something that made me look very young and foolish because I lacked context or whatever that might be. However, I am assertive and I'm strong and I have an opinion and I've never really been afraid to share an opinion. So it's just that now when I share it, 
it's a bit more strategic and considered, opposed to fiery or verbal diarrhea, which discounts its credibility and its validity. Don't get me wrong. I've got really wonderful girlfriends and colleagues, most of which are both, that I have that verbal diarrhea with or I can unleash with and they can say, well, have you thought about this? Or yeah, you're right. I agree or whatever. So I've got my outlet for that, but I don't let my outlet happen in the workplace. So I've got quite the process for stopping myself and going through it step by step. What am I going to say? How am I going to say it? How can I soften it? Because unfortunately, I often feel the need to soften my communication or at least my delivery, especially when it's constructive feedback and especially when I'm pissed off. Sometimes I have to wait before I send something like an email, but that's fairly extreme because usually I do push back in person because over a screen, it's just so volatile and not okay. I rarely push back that way. I'd rather just do it in person and then we can talk it through and I can feel the energy and I can feel when I need to harden or soften or however that might look. So I learned to trust myself through this process. And that's how I've been able to step into my more dominant side and use it to be more powerful and more strategic and get things done. So if I do decide to pull the trigger and speak up, I've done my due diligence before it happens. So I usually start by asking myself, is this the right thing to do? And is this my battle? Do I need to be the one saying something here? Because sometimes it's not my fight. And the thing that I need to do instead is actually empower somebody else to speak up and say something. And that might be in the way of sticking up for themselves, or that might be pushing back, or that might just be saying no, setting a boundary. I know far too many women who simply do not say no. So they say yes, they do whatever their bosses have asked them or told them to do or to conform to the others around them. And it's so detrimental, not only to their happiness and their self-confidence, but it's also not teaching others how to treat them. And I do speak to more of my female clients about this opposed to my male clients. I think some men have this problem as well, so I don't want to blanket it as a female issue. But a lot of the time in my corporate role, I do think to myself, how would a man do this? What would a man do in this situation? Because men typically in my work anyway, lack so much of the hesitation and the questioning and the self-doubt that women do. It's unjust. And things are slowly getting better. I watched the movie She Said recently. Brilliant movie. And we are still operating in an environment that was established by men. And so I do feel that women stepping into their power and being more assertive are painted that way. It's all. They're aggressive. They're pushy. They're a ball buster. If they're consistently challenging those around them to be better and up the standard. I also know women get things done. But for us to get things done, we still have to play the game and be strategic and censor ourselves in the way we communicate. We can't just be assertive or speak our mind because of how we're perceived and also the fallout that happens around us after that the flow on effect and the reputation that we get in the way that we're perceived. It's just, it goes on and on and on. So along the same lines is how we're seeing younger generations coming into recruiting uh, for interviews. So they're more assertive around what they expect from an employer and what they are willing to do for an employer and questioning what an employer is willing to do for them. Growing up, that was never going to be a done thing. So I was raised to be very grateful that I even had a job interview 
and work my backside off to do whatever I could to get the job and then to do the job. And that made me a bit of a yes and a people-pleasing person. So it's nice to see that power balance shifting and employers having to take accountability for what they can do for employees and the talent that they're looking to attract. But particularly when it comes to diversity in the workplace, I still see younger staff members who say yes and don't stand up for themselves and don't push back ever. And this would be okay if they didn't suffer because of it. And they suffer because it's overkill. And that's the problem. It's not that they're being asked to work hard or to raise their standard. That would be okay. It's because they're being asked to do all of that while not being supported through how to work harder and how to raise their standards because they're inexperienced. So if these younger women were doing it because they wanted to, because they saw it as a great learning opportunity, great experience, more exposure, they saw it as a challenge and they really wanted to go that extra mile and do all of those extra things, it wouldn't be a problem. But being exploited (laughs) and not feeling as though they can say no and then feeling taken advantage of leading to resentment, a lack of confidence, disengagement from the workplace, not feeling supported, that's when it's a problem. We all have a job to do. We all have KPIs. We have to perform. Any business is paying a staff member to fulfill a role and deliver on that role. But it's going that extra mile where they're sitting in an office until midnight trying to get things done that really wasn't their responsibility in the first place because they're the cheapest resource, that that's not okay. And it's even worse when they actually say no and then they are judged for it or persecuted for it uh, and then perceived a different way and aren't given opportunities to progress. I'm talking about those extra requests that come in where it's not beneficial for you, just flat out you don't want to do it, but you also don't feel like you can say no. When I push back, the biggest consequence I find is the aftermath because before I started to push back, There wasn't a consequence because I was agreeable and I was doing what anybody needed me to do or they didn't really know how I felt about the thing that they'd asked me. And then when I started to push back and draw lines in the sand, I'd spend hours worrying about the consequence or the fallout when I really should have been focusing on my work or other things because it felt like the world was going to cave in. And that for me was the hardest part to deal with. That is why I never used to push back or couldn't set boundaries very well and I couldn't say no because after the fact, I felt like I was going to be struck down and here's the thing, I wasn't. I wasn't going to be struck down. And maybe there were consequences in the way of hurt feelings by others or threatened authority or feeling undermined and those are the feelings that others need to work through. They're not my responsibility. But I didn't realize that by not speaking up and not asking them to be better, I was also assuming responsibility for protecting their feelings as well. And it was often to the detriment of my own. It was and never is my intention to make somebody feel hurt or undermined or humiliated or whatever other thing that they might be feeling off the back of my actions. I have to take responsibility for my behavior. But I needed to be clear on my intentions from the get-go. And that's why I have a little process that I do before speaking up because I need to do my due diligence to know that the reason I'm saying what I'm saying is legitimate. So if somebody does get hurt feelings, I know what I did and I know that I did right by myself and the majority of others around me and I did it for the greater good. But the intention wasn't about me and me alone. It wasn't about power or disrespecting someone or control or any of those things. It was simply a boundary that I was setting. 
I remember one specific pushback over email that I did, and there were two things that made me click send. The first was that the way of the communication, it was just terribly done. Uh, it needed to be better. It was by a superior of mine and it needed to firstly be factual uh, and information that they should have known, but they'd written a question asking me to go and do some digging. And I was like, mm, you should know that. And even if you don't know that, you should know where to find that. So don't waste my time by asking me to go and look for that again. So that was the first thing. And the second thing was that the tone that they were using to speak to a colleague of mine who was actually trying to help because she was involved in the conversation as well. The way that they were speaking to her in my eyes was just absolutely not acceptable. It needed to be far kinder. And the way it was coming across, it sort of verged on workplace bullying. I didn't feel it was appropriate. And I also know that that person had spoken to others a similar way and no one had ever spoken up for a multitude of reasons. The colleague I'm referring to specifically, she didn't want to speak up on the basis that she's experienced this in a lot of other workplaces and just can't be bothered. She's done this dance many times and just was like, ah, whatever. She wasn't too affected by it, but I didn't want to work in a place where that was happening. So I spoke up and to this person's credit, they actually took it really well and they went, yep, fair enough let's change. And I think I did see behavior change after that. So that was a really, really positive outcome. But equally, it could have gone the entire other way. So it's just about doing your due diligence and making sure that if there are any consequences off the back of you speaking up and off the back of you setting a boundary, that you can feel really confident and strong in what you did, why you did it, and you can therefore defend it. So the next part that after you've hit send before anybody has responded or, you know, you're having the conversation and you're awaiting somebody's response is the feeling of that discomfort in that moment because you can't take it back at that point. <laughs> you've got to take responsibility for doing your due diligence from the outset. But then once it's out there, that's it. It's done. And so that's the part that I personally struggled with. I was like, oh, what's going to happen? And that, that anticipation. And this, again, is where the, the focus comes in. So the more you stand in your power and the more you assert yourself in a way that serves you, those around you, the greater good, and in a way that's justified and defendable, you know, it doesn't mean everyone's going to like it or appreciate you doing it. But at the end of the day, it's your opinion that matters. It also sometimes helped to paint the worst case scenario for yourself. So what's the worst possible thing that could happen if you speak up or set a boundary? My self-talk was always, I could be fired. They might never talk to me again. I'll be excluded. I get really bad FOMO, just in case you didn't know that either about me. <laughs> I promise you this though, if that's the worst case scenario, but you have done your due diligence, you've backed yourself in terms of understanding your reasons and defending them, you've processed you've chosen your words and your delivery carefully, then I would always recommend executing that, saying it, doing it, speaking up. Not in writing. I think it's really cowardly sometimes to hide behind a screen. But either way, if the worst case scenario is that you're exiled, what, whatever. There are so many companies in the world. There are so many job opportunities and there are many, many, many people to be friends with and that will love you for who you are. You stand stronger and truer and prouder from having said your piece calmly and rationally and strategically and holding your boundaries than if you had conformed and given in and you'd just been the one to suffer because of it. 
And then the thing that you pushed against internally but not externally continues to happen. You continue to be put in a situation that makes you doubt your self-worth or your ethical compass. And things expand from there and they only get worse because you haven't taught people how to treat you or what you will and won't accept. I was having a conversation with an amazing client of mine recently and they said something like, The people who call in sick when they're not and the people who work less, who toe the line, who are lazier than others, they don't lose in the long run, despite us thinking that karmically they should or they will. He's a bit older than me and there's definitely a level of scepticism there and I never want to believe that it's true because it's, for me anyway, it's about the standard you hold for yourself. You hold a standard of you feeling like you've done a great job, you're growing, you're contributing. And I would never choose to work the bare minimum or not feel emotionally invested in what I'm doing. But what I took he was saying is that that setting the boundary and holding your own, you won't be worse off. In fact, you become stronger. You become more employable. In a social setting, you find the people who are like you, who genuinely like you for who you are, who aren't lapdogs, who aren't sheep. Because you get to step into your authenticity and you get to be yourself and live your life the way that you choose to and you get to choose what time you dedicate to work and what time you dedicate to family or social time for yourself or extracurricular activities or your health and well-being. You know, you get to develop self-confidence because you don't feel like a pushover and you don't feel like you're being taken advantage of and you don't feel like you are someone else's lackey and can just be pulled from pillar to post to fit in or remain employed. Boundaries are a really hard thing to start doing if you're currently in the habit of saying yes all the time or putting yourself in a situation where people can expect a certain behaviour from you. I'll be honest, they may not like the change, but you will, especially the more you do it. And it's your opinion that matters because it's your life and it's your energy and it's your ability to hold your own and be proud of your actions at the end of the day. The small actions you take each day are the baby steps to becoming the person you want to be and getting the results of that person. And over time, that makes a huge difference. Stand your ground. Know your worth. Teach other people how to treat you. Feel the fear and do it anyway. Once you've done your due diligence, and you've spoken out and you follow the process to make sure that your actions aren't solely about you and you can defend them. I will see you next week. Thank you so much for joining me on this insightful journey today. If you've resonated with what we've discussed and feel inspired to make positive changes in your life, I'm here to support you. Remember, your transformation begins with a single step. If you're ready to take that step and explore the possibilities of working with a life coach, visit my website at www.riannanbush.com. There, you'll find more information about my coaching programs and how we can collaborate to achieve your goals. Your journey to a more fulfilling life starts now, so reach out today and let's create the life you dream about. Until next time, take care and keep moving forward.